second edition this week of the full 10 yards nfl podcast your host for this evening is me sean back in the hot seat and i'm joined tonight by you and haven't spoken to you this year my friend so firstly happy new year and how are you very well happy new year to everyone glad to be back indeed mate and happy new year and still in the playoffs what an absolute delight that must be i'm sure one day i'll get to experience it as a browns fan but uh We'll get on to you'll, you'll need a GM and a, and a coach first, I think. Yeah, that, will that will help. Um, we'll get on to that as we get into the podcast, and that's a nice little link in to First Down. First Down. Yeah, so you alluded to it there, Ewan. The Cleveland Browns, the only team left to hire a head coach. As in terms of the news this week, Tim obviously did a grand job with his Jason Garrett tribute song with the news that Jason Garrett finally got the boot in Dallas and obviously replaced it very quickly by Mike McCarthy. That seemed as though that was pretty much done and dusted in the background before that all played out. But two bits of news that have broke since the boys brought you that news on Monday's edition are obviously a couple of additional coaching hires. And we've got Matt Rule coming out of college from Baylor, going across to the Carolina Panthers. Huge seven-year contract. Um, so a huge investment from the Panthers. Um, hopefully that one obviously plays out well. And then probably an even bigger surprise, Joe Judge, who's a name that you know nobody had really got any association with in terms of the coaching search as the off-season began. But he leaves the um, staff at New England and takes on the role with the New York Giants. Um, you and two surprises for different reasons, probably there. But just grab your thoughts on both of those coaching hires. Yeah, I think it, Carolina's a, a good one. It's a new owner uh, comes from a hedge fund background. Um, I think the rule had shown a really good propensity to build programs um, at Temple, and he did it really well at, at Baylor after being embroiled in all the scandal that they were. Uh, when Art Bryles was there. Um, so, yeah, I think he's, he's shown consecutively he can build programs, um, even in the Big 12s, kind of coming back now with Baylor. So, yeah, I think it's it's a good hire. He seemed to be reasonably charismatic in his, in his opening press conference. So I was, I was reasonably impressed with him. I think it's, for for him, it's, it's it showed that Temper's willing to do things, or Tepper, rather, is willing to do things uh, differently. And, I'm sure some of the uh, the greedy owners will not be too impressed with the contract given out. But look, he's come from college where the model is you pay the coach to get the man you want. And it's not really been done in the NFL when there's no salary cap in the, on your backroom staff. But it seems it seems counterintuitive that you wouldn't pay to get the best. Um, so yeah, that was good. And, and Joe Judge, uh, I think he's he's um, he's he, he Mississippi State was potentially the job that he, he leveraged to get that one. Um, Interest in his special teams coordinate. There's been a lot of good uh, coaches, John Harbaugh, um, Dick Vermeo, etc., that have all you know come in from special teams backgrounds. Because you have to touch every part of the roster, and it gives you a more holistic view of how to manage play, you know, the team and, and and players within the building. So I think it's probably a good background for him to come from. Obviously, there's a bit of con- controversy about the the diversity of the hires again this year. Seems to keep rumbling on. Yeah, absolutely. And a good link there, mate, because Alex, who's joined us over at Full 10 Yards, he's put a good article up about the Rooney rule and whether it's just become a little bit of a tick box exercise. I enjoyed reading that before we came on air tonight, so I'd encourage all of our listeners to go and give that a read. Um, obviously, like I say, still the Browns in play, but not looking likely um, that a, a minority candidate is going to be hired in this cycle. Obviously, Eric Benimi, the OC from Kansas City has been interviewed by the Browns, but I don't think he's necessarily in play. And and talking of the Browns, it might actually be a case of of serendipity here for the Browns that they've been criticised that the process has dragged out and it's taken its time. But as it is with them now being the only candidates left in play, all the coaches that are available, they essentially now have the pick of the litter. None of these coaches now have got any leverage. Josh McDaniels has been talked about for a while now has certainly been the owner's number one choice. And I think there was lots of rumour around that the New York Giants would be sniffing around and Carolina might have been interested. 
he obviously now doesn't have any leverage in any negotiations. It'll be the Browns or obviously back in his OC role for McDaniels to choose between. Kevin Stefanski, the OC from Minnesota, has been interviewed today. He was a favourite candidate a couple of um, seasons ago. Well, actually last season when they obviously ultimately hired Freddie Kitchens. He allegedly was the choice of Paul D. Podesta at the time, the analytics guru in Cleveland. Um, and apparently Robert Salah, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, has been impressive in interviews. So it would seem as though the Browns are down to their final three and they may well get the choice of the guy that they wanted all along. And obviously, as it's panned out, it may well be that it's it's landed perfectly for them. You and just out of those three candidates, which one do you think the Browns will pump for? Or do you see another sort of candidate on the outskirts that I haven't mentioned there that could sneak into this reckoning? It's tough to tell with the Browns, I think. I mean, I, it, it, on the on the sort of controversy of the of of the diversity of the coaches, and you know, I, I think it's a strange one. I think because I think some of the un, unconscious bias comes into it. Um, in some aspects, it seems like the the enemy has been overseen a couple of times. Obviously, the uh, Mahomes hasn't been quite the heights he was, but you know he's a well-respected coach and the building. I think Salah's done well on the defense, so it's it, it's it, it's so hard to tell because without a GM that's potentially pulling the trigger at the same time and coming in uh, with somebody that they're aligned to, it, it's so it's so hard to tell what the Browns are going to do. I think. Um, so yeah, and then you've got to come in and manage uh, your man Baker as well. After all of it, when he was uh, getting in spats with the the fans in the on the in the week seventeen game when he was standing in the tunnel, so there's a lot of issues to address there. So um, it's it's a it's a brave probably a brave man to take on the job. I think when you think of all the all the uh, unrest, particularly at the wide receiver positions, when they've been you know touting to say you know take me take me with you sort of thing, and um, I think the Jimmy Haslam's kind of meddling if you like just kind of perpetuates the problems in many ways and the lack of consistency in the building I don't think it's good for anybody so you know if they're going to find the guy they're going to have to you know commit to him perhaps not the same way as Caroline have done to Matt Rule but put a put a real kind of you know a restoration of, of, of faith in the players in the building but also in the person that they, uh, that they hire and so it could go anyway I have no clue of those four or five that they potentially might pick up. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think the plan is to get it done and dusted this weekend. So hopefully when we get round to Monday's podcast, whoever it is between your ears will be able to give you a view and some news on it. Right, that's caught you up with the news. Let's get into start previewing the games this weekend and we'll start off on second down looking at the AFC. Second down. Okay, I'm going to open us up in terms of the AFC games and we have the number six seed Tennessee Titans, obviously fresh off that upset victory, or some might call it an upset victory, in New England last weekend. Now they get the road game against the Baltimore Ravens who come in obviously with the number one seed in the AFC and the best record in the NFL in the regular season at 14-2. and two. And these are two sides that are actually built extremely similar in the way that they try and attack the game. So the Ravens now surprise first in rushing with a remarkable 206 yards per game. Obviously broke the long-standing record of most rushing yards in a season that had stood um, for over 35 years going into this season. Um, five and a half yards per carry in the process. Also a league best However, a passing offence that ranked just 27th, but don't let that fool you. That was essentially because they just didn't need to pass all that often with how effective that rushing game was. Lamar Jackson, when he did throw the ball, posted a very, very good 113 quarterback rating and also added 36 touchdowns through the air, which again was leading the league. So, you know, nothing wrong with the pass offence. That's just a, a sign, if you like, that stats can sometimes be a little misleading. Perfectly reasonable passing offence. Uh, just not required very regular. Same can be said, of course, for the guys on the other side of the ball. And that, of course, the Tennessee Titans spearheaded by Derrick Henry, who has had a phenomenal season of 1,540 yards during the regular season to obviously lead the league. 16 touchdowns and averaged over five yards per carry. He was a phenomenal workhorse last week again, wasn't he? 34 carries on the day. 
182 yards of offense. I think I believe I, I heard some stat that he actually handled 65% of all of the Tennessee offensive plays last week, which is just phenomenal for one guy to put that kind of workload on his shoulders. Obviously crossed the 100-yard barrier again last week, and the Titans are 7-0 and when he does such a thing. So that will obviously be their way of attacking it. And similar to what I just said about the Ravens, the passing offense statistically only ranks 21st in the league. However, Ryan Tannehill's quarterback rating of 117, so four points higher than what Lamar was, that actually led the league in terms of rating. He added 22 touchdowns through the air. Yeah, so he, again, has been doing phenomenal stuff at the quarterback position, although obviously the two individuals very different in the way that they approach the game. Last week, Tannehill didn't get asked to do a lot with Henry carrying such a big workload. Tannehill actually completed eight passes last week for just 72 yards. And AJ Brown, who had been on an absolute flyer at the back end of the regular season, was held to just one catch last week. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the game plan adjusts this week. Um, AJ Brown, I've just mentioned, is the big target, of course, in this Titans offense on the outside. He had over a thousand yards in his rookie season, which is no mean feat. The leading receiver for the Ravens probably won't be a surprise to anybody. Is the tight end Mark Andrews? He led the team in both targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. He's certainly been a massive piece in that offensive explosion this year. So, if the teams are built very similar offensively. For me, this will come down to who has got the better defensive game plan. And you would have to, therefore, probably take Baltimore in this one because they rank second against the pass and fifth against the run. Again, though, just from a little statistical point of view, when we say fifth against the run, bear in mind that the Ravens have often been playing with a lead. Teams haven't had the opportunity to run with that regularity against them. When teams do run against them, they are giving up 4.4 yards per carry. Um, so potential here for Tennessee, if they can get in front on the scoreboard and get Derrick Henry going early, that it could be an interesting game. If they fall behind, it's obviously going to be difficult for them. The Ravens blitz more than anybody in the league. They blitz over 50% of the time. However, Tannehill, again, has been good against the blitz. He's got an impressive quarterback rating when extra pressure is brought. So I don't see that necessarily being a huge problem. Um, however, like I say, on the opposite side, Tennessee's defence middling in terms of their pass defence. They're not bad against the run. They're actually seventh against the run. But as I've already said Mark Andrews is the big weapon in terms of the receiving game for the Titans, excuse me, for the Ravens. And that, unfortunately, for Tennessee is an area that they've struggled against. They're actually 26th ranked in terms of yards given up to the tight end. And obviously, in this Ravens offense, the top three tight ends have actually had more involvement in the offensive game plan than the top three wideouts combined. Um, so, you know, it goes to show that the big strength of the Ravens is, is going against what is the weakness in the Tennessee defense, as good as that has been. Mark Ingram is questionable for this one. That's the big injury update, if you like, in terms of the, the, you know, the real key player. However, with that being said, Gus Edwards, you know, was great at the back end of last season. He obviously played in the... Season finale, um, not last week, the week before, and came in and, and did you know an equally good job. So I don't think there's a huge drop-off if Ingram doesn't go in this one. It's certainly not going to change the way that the Ravens attack the game. Um, but keep your eye out on that one, whether Mark Ingram does or doesn't go. I've got the Ravens winning this one. I think it depends really on how the first quarter plays out in terms of whether this becomes quite a heavy Ravens win or whether the Titans can keep it close. I think that you know the first quarter and the first score is actually really vitally important in this one. As long as the Tennessee Titans can keep going through Derrick Henry and the game doesn't get out of hand, then obviously that suggests that they're in the ball game. Um, obviously, you know, as good as Ryan Tannehill has been, they're not going to want to get away from what has been so successful over the last three or four weeks of the regular season and obviously what proved to be um, the winning formula for them last week. So I've got the Ravens winning this one. Um, I think it'll be a better game than what I think a lot of people are probably predicting. I think it'll be close, um, you know, but I think it'll be two old-style run-the-ball-first type teams. It could actually be, as a bit of a bold prediction, one of the quickest playoff games in NFL history. Let's go with that as a bit of a bold prediction. So if you like a, a quick game, then potentially this is the one which will suit us down to the ground because this is on in the very early hours of Sunday morning. 
Um, Ewan, I'll come to you on your prediction for the game and how you see it going. Um, we've just gone through some of the stats there. I think, obviously, Derrick Henry is huge for Tennessee in this one, you know, if they're going to stand any chance. But obviously, the first time that Lamar Jackson gets to suit up in the preseason, I know Lawrence was excited, looking forward to it when he talked on the show on Monday. How do you see his post-season debut going? Uh, he played last year, didn't he, against uh, the Patriots? I think that was what another. I think they were calling for him to get benched, weren't they? And uh, or was it? Sorry, the Chargers, wasn't it? They, they got knocked out, and I think he's he's talked about that as being his big motivation that he let the team down, and um, you know they, they 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 sort of well they, at the time they, they they sort of put a stop on the off or that version of that offense last year. So <coughs> I, I think it'll be a, it's it's going to be one in the trenches this game, and um, it's going to be you know, running run on run. So if you like a good passing game, this one will not be for you. Um, we, we wouldn't be surprised if there's less than four hundred passing yards between the two teams, uh, based on. Based on the quarterbacks, I think it was interesting last week that Tannehill didn't have a good game uh, through a sloppy interception uh, in the fourth quarter. It almost could have cost the team if New England could have, could have mustered sort of any level of offense. So, yeah, I, th- I think the Ravens will be- hopefully be able to to, uh, t- to see this one out. I wouldn't put it past Tennessee to keep this close, as he said, if they can score and not let... Um, and not let Baltimore at home strangle the clock because both teams like to do that. And as you said, if the if the the ball's been run, the, the clock keeps running, and uh, and it could be a it could be a quick one uh, end to end. It, it, it'd be interesting to see Mark Andrews has been injured um, or he was struggling, so um, so was the running back. So it, you know, where are they health wise? Because they've been huge to their Mark Ingram's been huge to their the, their game plan. And it'll be interesting as well. I think when you've got a week off, it's not always necessarily a good thing. Um, and obviously, the the, uh, the Ravens were coming in a 12-game winning streak. Um, obviously, a big kind of emotional win for Mike Vrabel against his old old team as a player last week, and kind of knocking the Patriots off their off their uh, off their out of the postseason for the you know an early early stage for the first time in many years. So. Yeah, I think it'll be. I think it'll be quite. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes into another Justin Tucker field goal. How about that as a prediction? Yeah, well, if it's going to come down to a field goal, you wouldn't probably pick anybody else, would you? Let's be honest, the most accurate kicker in NFL history. Um, could be a good one. We'll see how that one gets us um, on Saturday night. Uh, the other AFC game, and obviously, Matt, I'm going to come to you to give us the rundown on this one, because it obviously sees your Houston Texans on the road across to our ahead to take on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yeah, a, a, a rematch of week six from this season, um, which I was at um, this year. It was it was a, you know, a really good game of two quarterbacks. I think it's either been... Uh, billed as the Mitch Trubisky Bowl or the Ryan Pace Bowl, uh, whatever you want to call it, and you know Chicago fans watch on, and you can both think what could have been. I think it could be a, uh, for you um, since that that draft and those, the choices that were made and traded up with the 49ers to go up to second to take Trubisky. Um, yeah, I think he's two good quarterbacks. I think you saw last week again Deshaun when he doesn't play against you know. The sort of supposed upper echelon teams, uh, although the Bills are you know very much on the rise, but first half was incredibly poor. Then you know sixty four yards, I think it was in the first half. So a team that started slow, you will not be able to start slow um, in 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 Arrowhead. A huge task for the the, the Texans to be fluent on an offense for sixty minutes because when they played them the last time, they they, they had double the time of possession. Um, that the Chiefs did. The Chiefs weren't on the field much in the second half and allowed them to to to, uh, to build a lead and um, and get you know <coughs> and get past them in the fourth quarter. So interesting. It's a, a very much a different matchup from the last time. I think they've got Jones back in the middle, um, who's a big part of the run defense. Uh, Carlos Hyde ran it down their throat, had a, his best day of the season um, in week six when just running the ball. So I think it'll be a run heavy attack from the Texans to try and control the clock. I think we'll have to selectively go long. I think, you know, the, their secondary, okay, has improved down the stretch. They didn't play that many great teams, though. Um, there's been a lot made about the defence sort of came together and um, and it's part of part of the, you know, the, the increased form that they had. And they were one of, you know, the top two or three teams in the AFC coming into the playoffs. A lot of good weapons. Tyreek Hill, um, Travis Kelsey, how much can the Texans try and 
hold them down and make sure that the uh, that they can't break yeah, break the game open with big plays because that's what that offense is based around. There's not a huge deal of running game. Obviously, Mahomes is potentially healthy. How is the week off going? You know, is Andy Reid going to characteristically mess up the clock towards the end? Could potentially happen. Bill O'Brien's pretty good at messing up the clock as well. So that'll be uh, might be a a, a play a play. Uh, a play away from from uh, from costing your team potentially when it comes down to uh, you know tight margins at the end of the game. I think it's going to be a shootout end to end all game really, as long as the Texans can start early and not let the Chiefs um, can get out in front. Because I think when you're playing from behind on the road in the playoffs, it's difficult because then you, as you, you mentioned in the game out game earlier for the, another AFC tie. It's hard. It, it's hard to play from behind when you when you want to be balanced and you want to manage the clock. So, yeah, the, the, if the Texans can run the ball and 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 selectively go downfield when they need to, and I think Will Fuller will be back. And you know, he he, he gave, despite not actually giving a touchdown, he dropped three in the end zone or, or three that should have been touchdowns. Actually, Hopkins had an uncharacteristic drop as well. So I think we left left about seventeen points on the field in week six, despite putting thirty one up. So you know, it could have easily been a fifty, you know, a fifty burger that day. So. Um, can the Texans, you know, show up the team that we've seen against New England, that we've seen against, you know, the Chargers that, you know, at that point before they kind of had a later season collapse, um, and and you know that we've seen come big against Tennessee, that's you know that had big performances against the Colts this year. You know, can that version of the Texans turn up because they seem to be too much Jekyll and Hyde in terms of the offense and on the defensive side of the ball, hadn't had a pass rush for eight weeks, SWAT returns and. It's been it was it was night and day and there was three and four, you know, people getting to the quarterback at times in the fourth quarter and that really was the biggest contributing factor to Josh Allen really crumbling because he'd probably never played in a big game coming from Wyoming before like that. So, um, you know, can can the pass rush come alive? And but that was a big turning point in the last game where uh, the guy at Texas Charles Amena who managed to to strip sack uh, Mahomes and we got we. We got the ball in, the, in within the five right before the half, and that turned the game. So, you know, um, with the Chiefs' defense improved, I think Suggs has come in there and, and done a done a good job on the line. They've had some injuries. Juan Thornhill, I thought, was probably one of their best DBs. He's gone on to IR. So, you know, it's it's a very different matchup, but I think it's going to be end to end, and it'll just be about who can consistently move the ball and put up points. And if you're not able to put up seven, can you put up three more often than not to keep the to keep the scoreboard churning. Uh, but I think of all the games this weekend, it's got probably the two best quarterbacks as, as an overall talent level um, and potentially the, a recipe for the most points with the, both defences not being necessarily uh, you know, top tier. Yeah, it could certainly be chalk and cheese from the other AFC game, couldn't it? Like you say, I think a lot of the time the ball will be going through the air. Um, and as you alluded to, it was a high-scoring affair when they met earlier in the season. I've actually got the Chiefs as my Super Bowl pick, so I'm, I'm afraid I'll be going against your team in this one, mate. But I think for the for the neutral, I think this could be the best game of the weekend. It's got a strange kickoff time, hasn't it? Is it something like twenty past eight on Saturday UK time? Uh, Sunday, sorry, twenty past eight, something like that, is it? Yeah, eight or five it is. Um, hey, how far? Yeah, yeah, uh, but. Um, it'll be yeah. I think it's it's got it's got the chance to be a good game. I think it's two teams that you know that have got a point to prove. I think Andy Reid's you know really he's not done much in the postseason, great in the regular, but not in the post. So you know, there's more pressure on him with the talent of Mahomes at quarterback to, to you know to make a run after you know the the Patriots knocking them out last year and the, and how the Patriots did that was just keep Mahomes off the field. So that that is the key for the Texans. But yeah, no, I think the, the Chiefs' offense is, is high powered, and when it gets rolling, it can flash flash sixes up uh, pretty quickly. It certainly can be a good game, and I think you know you called it there in your preview of the game. You know, arguably two of the best quarterbacks, not only in the league but certainly in the AFC. We mentioned Lamar Jackson in the game that I previewed earlier, who obviously led the league in touchdowns this year. And just to break up the games, we're going to move over to third down to have a debate on the quarterback that has dominated the AFC for the last what feels like forever, certainly the last decade and a little bit more. Let's have a little chat about Tom Brady in third down. Third down. It feels awfully strange to be discussing the divisional round matchups of the playoffs and not having to preview a New England Patriots game. We're so used to seeing them at this stage of the postseason. And despite, you know, what we have said week in and week out on this podcast, a struggling offence, 
I think we all just naturally assume that they would find a way to get it going and probably ultimately end up at some point back at the Super Bowl and, and Tom Brady with a chance to win ring number seven. It's obviously not going to happen. Um, we talked about it on Monday's podcast with Tim and Lawrence in terms of the way that the Titans went in there. And effectively, what had been the trend throughout the season continued. The Patriots struggled to move the ball. Brady didn't look anything like his usual self. Um, and obviously, we're now in a situation where it, it has a feel to it that Tom Brady, you know, although he keeps saying he's not going to retire, you have to question whether it's actually the right decision for New England to bring him back if he doesn't want to retire. And just to sort of start this sort of debate off, if you like, Ian, I'm just going to throw a few stats out in terms of the Tom Brady season that has just been in terms of where he's ranked in the league and sort of look at his drop-off, if you like, from previous seasons. So when you look at where he's ranked, he's ranked in the bottom six in the league in completion percentage with just 59.4%. He ranked in the bottom six in yards per attempt with just 6.2 yards per attempt. And he ranked in the bottom six in the league in passer rating with just an 82 passer rating. In terms of how he gets on against pressure, we've often talked about how Brady dissects a defence and he carves it up. He only completed 37.4% of his passes against pressure, the third lowest mark in the NFL this season with quarterbacks with at least 30 attempts. If you compare that to previous years, that's a drop-off of around about 15% from where he's been for the last three seasons. So if we think this has been a steady decline, you know, you probably could look at that number and say, well, you know, 15% from, from one, se- one year to the previous three has been quite a quick decline. Um, there's an awful lot of issues at the wide receiver position, as we know. But in terms of this year, he actually had the lowest passer rating when throwing to his wideouts with just a 53% completion rate and a 5-6 to six touchdown to interception ratio. That's down as well, over 10 percentage points on where he was last year. And last year, he was 11 touchdowns to two interceptions when throwing to his wideouts. So they're just a few of the stats. You add in the fact that he's obviously 42 years of age. You add in the fact that he's obviously going to command, you would think, a big contract despite all of those things. He's obviously played in a conference that me and you are, um, you know, have teams that are in there, Ewan. Firstly, do you think he comes back? If he doesn't come back to New England, where do you think he goes? Or do you think he should just hang it up and not taint what is obviously a fabulous legacy any more than it possibly has been tainted this year? It's hard to imagine him playing anywhere else. I think part of the decline, if you put it in inverted commas this season, was the the, wet, the sort of wide receivers they tried to sort of shoehorn into the into the offense. Um, you know, it was Julian Edelman or not much else really. Um, that that system relies on you know a good slot receiver, a good tight end, um, and and pieces outside that can that can uh, run you know good posts and good crossers to to open up the field um, on play actions. So you know they still managed to do some of this, the fundamentals of that system well in terms of giving the ball to James White to um, to, to, to finding out the right matchups. But I think the, the offensive line wasn't as good. They lost Mark Andrews earlier in the season, their, their centre. Uh, I think, you know, the, the loss of uh, of Brown at left tackle, Isaiah Wooden came in, struggled with health, you know, as a young player. So, you know, there was there was mitigating factors around them. I don't think he would like to end his legacy in Foxborough in that way and having his last pass a pick six by a former teammate. Um Logan Ryan into the end zone. So I think it's 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 a struggle to see him leaving and playing anywhere else. But that being said, he's from the West Coast. Do the Chargers make him a 40 million year, year offer um, to do it? Now, it could be, well be that it's actually the case for the first time ever. And you hard to say this. They're actually, salary cap-wise, because I think that's been intimated by his agent through the press, that they're not going to take another hometown discount because it's been notorious that he's, for many years, that, They've probably had, you know, the best quarterback of all time, but he's not been paid anywhere near that. Um, so, you know, if he is asking for a 40, 42 million salary, which is probably going to be the bar when the Mahomes deal and the Watson deal start to get in because they're the next uh, guys in line for extensions, doesn't mean that he's that he's uh, that he's going to mess up their salary cap 
and they actually move on without her. And Jared Stidham, is he an option? Do they find somebody in the draft? Do they go for There's plenty of free agents. Marcus Mariota would probably be quite a good candidate to go there. He'll be out in the way of Tennessee, but bags full of talent, messed about with offensive coordinators um, every season and changes. So, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, could there be one? You know, somebody like that. So it's it's a the tides are changing New England now as an AFC uh Interest is absolutely fantastic for the Patriots not to be good. <laughs> you can't deny that. I think you know every other fifteen team in the AFC would, I'm sure, would all agree um, because they've had such you know in a league set up for parity, they have been unbelievably dominant. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's really hard to uh, it's really hard to see how that will pan out. I just don't think Robert Kraft will let them out of the building really. And even if that is at the demise of the team for next year. Uh, or can they convince him to retire in the similar way, actually, that to- Tony Romo was rumoured to be going to sign to the Texans. And I think Jerry Jones stepped in there and just told him nicely he should step in the booth, which would be a good move for Romo. But um, you just never know what goes on behind the scenes of these things. Um, but it's, it's, it's an interesting time in Foxborough uh, for an off-season that could, that could go anyway at this minute. Yeah, certainly interesting. I'm in the same camp as you. I just can't see him suiting up anywhere else. He's had such a legacy with that team. Um, it would just seem strange because, like you say, at the age that he is, realistically, even if he does sign somewhere, it's likely only going to be on a 12-month deal. Um, you know, there is obviously that potential lure of, of being the opening quarterback in You know, what will be LA next year. Um, you know, However, I, I don't know how big of a pull that really is. Um, you know, he, he's he's obviously got you know, more success than anyone's had. Um, you know, for me, I think he should he should hang it up. Um, you know, he, he has been steadily declining over the last couple of years, and there's no shame in that. You know, let's let's not bash the guy. You know, he's 42 years old. He's still been better than most quarterbacks over the last couple of years, and that's why the Patriots have continued to have the success that they've had. Another name just to mention, because it was written in Peter King's um, column this week, just as a ma- name to mention, you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater, you mentioned Mariota. One other guy that potentially, obviously, is on the move is Andy Dalton. Um, obviously, expectations are that the Bengals will be drafting Joe Burrow first overall, so they will have a quarterback that they would likely look to trade, and if they can get anything in a trade for Andy Dalton, you know, you'd think you know probably a mid-round pick would get that job done, um, and obviously Dalton will have 12 months left on a deal. That could be a name to keep an eye on, um, as someone who's obviously won games in Cincinnati when he had the right pieces around him, he regularly got Cincinnati to the playoffs, so you know, he very much is the definition of an average quarterback, um, but he may well be somebody to just sort of take the reins and steady the ship for the next 12 months at least until better options become available because obviously the Patriots are not going to be drafting anywhere early in this first round so if the answer is in the draft it's going to be likely to be one of the lesser fancied prospects um, but obviously and famously Tom Brady wasn't a fancied prospect was he when he came out so who knows maybe they strike it, gold in the later it round. wouldn't be I would never put it past them for him to do another year uh, on a reasonably sized deal and then them to walk into another marvel and pasting copy of the last 15, 20 years of, <laughs> of Belichickian formulate, formulated dominance, because it just seems to be that way. But yeah, look, it's, uh, it's a weird one. But yeah, look, it had to happen sometime. He's done an unbelievably disciplined professional to keep his body, you know, uh, agile enough to continue to play that position, uh, and AJ has done, and he's you know. But I mean, like more people are doing it. But then you know, you've got Breeze as well. It could potentially be, you know. I think he'll maybe do one more year. But I think if he did one at this year, would he have you know dis- disappeared into the sunset quite possibly? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the old guards changing. Obviously, no Roethlisberger this year. Um, you know, the guys that have dominated the. the the NFL landscape in terms of quarterbacking in the playoffs are no longer there. But I think when you look at it, it's, I think, you know, it's, I, I read a comment this week and it's very valid. I mean, if you look at the, you know, the quarterbacks that are in there that are left over of, okay, like Lamar Jackson, good at running, but he's not, you know, big, a big passer. Um, you know, and then you've got guys like Kirk Cousins, okay, he played well the other day, but, you know, the overall standard of the quarterbacks that are replacing that aren't, you know, as, as a whole, aren't quite there. So, it's a change of the tide, but it's been coming for a long time and looks like 2020 season potentially will be the first one that it looks like might have cleaned house a bit and look definitely 2021. 
Could well be, mate. We've certainly got a couple of good quarterbacks left, though, and a couple of those will be coming up in fourth down as we start looking now at the NFC games hitting the screens this weekend. Fourth down. So first game of the weekend comes up on Saturday evening for us UK fans. It's around about a nine o'clock kickoff, I believe. And that's the number six seed again, the Minnesota Vikings, fresh off the upset victory in the Superdome. And they will be underdogs again as they head across to the San Francisco 49ers, who ended with that number one seed in the NFC. And we speculated all through the regular season, didn't we, how important it would be to secure that. And it proved to be the case, as obviously the Saints were very much fancied, but fell in the wildcard weekend. So, obviously, a huge boost for the Niners getting the boy to this week. Kirk Cousins, we just mentioned him as we were talking about quarterbacks, had a great game last week, didn't he? Got the monkey off his back, so to speak. It wasn't necessarily a huge day numbers-wise, 19 of 31, 242 yards and just the one touchdown. But it was the timing of when he really got those big plays done in overtime, the huge throw to Adam Thielen and the touchdown pass to Kyle Rudolph, obviously to seal the victory. And, you know, let's be honest, it's the monkey off his back, certainly for the time being. Yes, we're going to want to see him do it on a more regular basis, but he's often been criticised and never been able to do it on the big stage. Um, And he certainly proved that wrong last week when he came up huge, particularly in that overtime period. It's really a reflection of what the Vikings have been all season. They only ranked 23rd. Um, in terms of passing throughout the regular season with just 220 yards per game. But Kirk Cousins has had one of the highest quarterback ratings in the league, so he has been just very efficient all throughout the year without necessarily being explosive. And part of that reason is Adam Thielen has battled injuries all throughout the season. He, however, back with a bang last week, wasn't he? Seven catches for 129 yards. And when those two on the outside in Thielen and Diggs are firing, you know they're quite a phenomenal duo, really. Um, so good to see Thielen back in the lineup, and hopefully he will continue his strong performance because they're obviously going to need it against this 49ers defence that certainly against the pass has been excellent. And it doesn't matter what position group you're asking them to defend, the second against the running backs, the fourth against wide receivers, and first against tight ends when it comes to the passing game. So they have been excellent, obviously held by a stellar pass rush up front. Obviously, lots of investment on that defensive line through the draft in recent years. However, because they are aggressive, you can get against them in terms of the running game. They only ranked 23rd against the run. And that's obviously where the Vikings will be hoping that Dalvin Cook can continue to impress. Again, held to a modest 3.4 yards per carry last week. His explosiveness seems to have disappeared. But importantly, he did get two touchdowns last week. And obviously, with him grinding out those yards... At that kind of rate, it meant that they were able to win the time of possession battle, which obviously in the postseason is important. You know, with the end of a, a, a grueling regular season, time of possession does become a real big factor quite often when we get to playoff time. In terms of the 49ers, they've actually been very, very explosive offensively. They rank second in points per game, fourth in yards per game, and are only second in rushing behind the Baltimore Ravens that we mentioned earlier. They average over 4.6 yards per carry. You know, So they've been excellent on the ground. A bit of a three-headed monster in the backfield. Raheem Morstert has, has really exploded this season. He's been a bit of a journeyman, but he seems to have found a home in this offence. But obviously, from a receiving point of view, I think the in-season trade for Emmanuel Sanders proved to be a bit of a masterstroke. That certainly opened things up on the outside. And Debo Samuel has grown into his um, rookie campaign. But George Kittle has obviously been the big weapon, 85 receptions on the regular season for over 1,000 yards receiving. Uh, And obviously when the 49ers need a big play, it generally goes across the middle of the field. And Kittle, as we know, has the ability to be a real game changer for them. The Vikings, quite a middle-of-the-pack defence, really, if we're honest. Where they do excel, though, is down in the red zone. They're second in terms of red zone defence. And that's an area that the 49ers have actually struggled to punch the ball in. As I alluded to, a lot of their runs have been explosive. They've had a lot of, you know, sort of home runs, if you like, from 30, 40 yards away. When they actually get in the red zone, the 49ers have struggled. They only rank um, 21st in terms of red zone efficiency. So that's potentially an advantage for the Vikings there. Everything on paper pretty much suggests similar to what it did last week. You know, you would have thought the Vikings, although 
a relatively balanced side and I've you know been as high as anybody this year on the Vikings. I think they've got an excellent roster and it is quite balanced in terms of, you know, offence and defence equally contributing. Um everything in, in terms of the statistics, everything in terms of the occasion, the fact that it's on the road, everything goes against the Vikings in this one. You would think the 49ers will find a way to get it done, but probably a little bit similar to how I explained my views on the Baltimore and Tennessee game. I think, again, this one has got the potential to be quite close, considering it's a number six against a number one seed. Um, you know, I think the, 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 the Vikings, again, if they can get Dalvin Cook going, and they can control that um, time of possession and keep the 49ers off the field, um, then obviously they've got a chance of keeping this game tight as well. I expect the 49ers to get it done. We've gone against them far too often this season, despite them week in and week out proving us all wrong. So the fact that they're at home, I'm going to take the 49ers to win this one. But again, I think this could be a really entertaining game. You and what's your thoughts on it? I've never been convinced by Garoppolo and I obviously, you know, you don't need to be that great in a game manager offence, which is the Kyle Shanahan design of the bootleg play action, high percentage throws, getting the matchups across the middle, run heavy outside zone scheme. So watched it for a year in Houston. It was effective and, um, he, you know, he's, 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 he's creative. I think there was, <clears throat> there's probably some criticism of him some of the season. Uh, particularly when they when they um, when they played the Seahawks when they, they lost that game they should have won and it kind of got a bit tight for them and um, didn't necessarily seem to have the experience across the across the team that have played a lot of playoff games so yeah I, I, I think Dalvin Cook looked fresh last week and that that you know missing the previous two games with injuries so he you know he was a big factor that front Linville Joseph. Uh, <clears throat> and the and the rest of those guys in the, the yeah up, up front there. Um, are a real, a real, um, a real force, and they gave they gave the Saints line fits last week. Um, even a guy like Ryan Ramchek, who's been great all season, um, they they force a fumble. Uh, Everson Griffin, you know, big player for them up the middle. I think Eric Kendricks is a good linebacker. They've got two safeties, um, Harrison Harrison in there. That's um, that, that you know that have played well. They've got injuries at corner though, so could that catch them out? I don't know. You know Xavier Rhodes really struggled last week. I think again, it's it's, it's a common theme this year. The, the the best passing teams aren't really in there, and it's about it's going to be again about how well they can run the ball. Because if the Forty ers can dominate with you know with the way they've ran the ball in times and they've broken games open with long runs, uh, which is often the way with a, with a zone scheme. Um, you can catch, you, you know, you can make an adjustment at the line and break one. Um, then it could be fine. I think it's going to be a run-heavy game again. Um, but the, the 49ers have, you know, been really consistent this year and they've managed to find ways to win games in different ways. And that's, I think that's what stands them in good stead to, to get this one done. But I wouldn't put it past uh, the, the, the Vikings to keep it close. The, I think they've got a nice bat, as you said, Sean, they got a nice balance uh, to their to, to their team, and uh, and it could it could well be the case that it's just who plays the cleanest game in this um, um, and wins. I think for 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 me, it's it's it's, it's really just a, a sense of you know on the road, the second week in a row, do you take that momentum in and do you start fast and 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 then uh, then make Garoppolo chase the game because if if the Vikings can do that, they can you know they they can make some waves, but. I would think, based on the 49ers and that defensive front, with Bosa and he's uh, coming as a rookie and, and being probably one of the better players in, in a front seven of, of players that are you know that not all will be staying you know after this year, but um, it's a good chance for them to, to dominate the Vikings line, which um, and get to Cousins, who's not the most mobile. Um, you know, apart I've been watching the game last week. I thought Bradbury at the centre was their best player, and I don't think they're necessarily that sterling. Um, and the pass protection for them, but you know they play a nice play action game as well, one of a similar coaching tree. So it will be run outside zone play action um, all day long. But I think the Fortnite's are going to just sneak this one. Yep, looks like another good matchup though, another one to look forward to. And to round us off, the um, the graveyard shift for the UK neutral, the early hours of Monday morning, but a good game nonetheless. Obviously. At Lambeau Field and the Seahawks are the road team as they tackle the Green Bay Packers. You're going to take us through that one, mate. Yeah, it's a, it's it's one that I think of all the games of this of the uh, of the weekends, but potentially the closest. Looking at Green Bay, they're th- sitting thirteen and three, but 
you know, there, there's definitely been questions across the league of, you know, how soft is that 13-3 now? You're, you, know, you are what your record says you are. But it's been an interesting season in Green Bay where they've kind of changed their identity. Rodgers hasn't necessarily put up the numbers that he has in previous years. Aaron Jones has been phenomenal at running back and they've, they've found a way to, to do it. The defence has been improved with the Smith brothers outside and, um, you know, they've, they've, they've had a real strong edge rush that's got, you know, kept them in games and they've been disrupted with Daniel at the middle and it's just been, it's, uh, it's been a real, it's a real, you know, change in identity for them. Now, that being said, I think the Seahawks come in, but they were a run-heavy team. They're now, I think, on their fourth and fifth choice of running back. Marshawn Lynch looks like he's maybe 20 to 30 pounds over the weight he was when he played previously. Uh, you've got Homer as your, as your, the guy out of Miami, as your main running back. Um, you know, so they lost Rashad Penny, they lost Carson. Uh, and then it just, it, it seems like, the, you know, they struggle, but, but the escapability of Russell Wilson keeps you in games. And I think he's at the stage of his career that, that um, Rodgers was three or four years ago that looks like he could win you a game at any minute. Now, DK Metcalf's out there, 160 yards last week. He, he iced the game for them. He got a good touchdown. You know, uh, Lockett is in there and I think, you know, he's a great he's a great number one or number two. I'm not quite sure who the number one or number two is in that offense now. Um, but I think they, they, they look like that they've gone away from what they, from, from, from the identity that they want to be as a run first team just because they've, they've had injuries on the line. Dwayne Brown at left tackle uh, is a question and didn't play in the game last week. So um, the line's not great, you know, um, Despite you know Wilson being a a, a start you know a sturdy guy against contact, he you know he's taken a lot of hits again this season, and again that's probably their biggest need going into the off season. So Green Bay at home, you don't know what the weather's going to be like. It's a you know it's a tough place to travel up to Wisconsin. You think with the way that the team are running the ball, and it seems to be a common theme and a bit of repetition for us, Sean. But you think if Aaron Jones and that line can run the ball well, it'll be interesting. I think back to Ariel have his his hands full with Jadavian Clowney, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, talk last week. Was it a dirty hit? I thought it was a clean hit. I, I think, and then it's it's the ground that's hit him, and it was the way Wentz gave him up. But he looked he looked active. Well, Ziggy Ansel looked active as well. The line's not been the best for. Um, despite it never really being an issue with the kind of system that they had in place previously. Lafleur's come in, he's won 13 games, so you can't knock him too much. Um, and, it, and, you know, and it's always the question, who runs that offense? And that team is Aaron Rodgers and his, his ego and his, his oodles of sanctimonity that he, he conducts himself with, but or, or, you know, or is it the actual coach that's calling the plays? And, or is he just adjusting it all at the line and throwing to side what he's been given in his headset. So it's been a strange season for Green Bay, but yeah, they've won 13 games. So I think the Seahawks could potentially keep this close again um, on the road. And I think, you know, if you look at all the games they've played, they've not scored many points, but they've not shipped too many either. Um, so I think it'll be a close one. It will come down to, to who, who can who can play the cleanest football um, in, in, in probably cold conditions, which will be, will be a challenge. But I'm, I'm torn on this one. It's a tight point spread as well. So... Um, for for both teams, but I think if Aaron, if Aaron Jones dominates the games in ways he's done, then I think you know there'll be enough to uh, there'll be enough to keep them keep them down. But you know Aaron Rodgers got a good good uh, record in the postseason. Um, he's got a chance to overtake Peyton Manning um, as, and for touchdowns um, in the postseason. So um, and and do it in in, uh, in nine games less. So um, if he if he's the four throw four, so we'll, we'll see how he goes. Uh, but he's you know he's, he's living up to big boots and in, in Brett Favre in that town, and he's, they've only ever won one Super Bowl, so he, he's got to be looking at making a run uh, before his time's up as well. And he goes on the pile with the rest of the guys that we've talked about when, all, <laughs> when it's all done. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the fact that we've said in all of these games that, you know, it could go one way or another, you know, depending obviously how the games pan out, you know, I think it, it just goes to demonstrate that this time of year, you know, we've got some excellent football on the docket for this weekend. One to really look forward to. I'm actually going to take the Seahawks on the road in this one. I think, you know, I, I, I just think Russell Wilson's a bit of a magician, to be honest. And I think you're a bit of a fool to ever back against him. So again, similar to what I said about the Vikings, probably, you know, things going against Seattle in this one, obviously got an number of injuries as you've alluded to certainly at the running back position and Marshawn Lynch looks like he's at more at Christmas than I did to be fair in terms of his weight um, you know, but he's still going to obviously be very difficult to bring down um, so 
I think, again, you know, could be a really good game. I'm looking forward to all four of them this weekend, to be honest. I thought wildcard weekend was excellent, and it looks like the divisional round should reach the same level. Um, so some really good stuff for us to get our teeth into over the course of the next few days. And obviously, we'll be back with you on Monday to let you know how it's all gone. But for tonight, mate, we better get out of here because the referees are running in. Time for the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Okay, just a couple of minutes then to bring you up to speed with everything full 10 yards. First thing is some opportunities to actually come and be a part of the crew. Um, if you hit our Twitter page, there are some vacancies available to come and join us. So if you're interested in getting involved in writing, talking, NFL, American football, college football, Brit ball, whatever it is, if it's got an oval ball in it, we will probably want you to talk and write about it. So go and check out the vacancies page if there's anything that tickles your fancy. Get in touch and we would love to hear from you. Um, in terms of content coming out this week, um, keep your eyes peeled in terms of anything from a fancy perspective in terms of DraftKings stuff for the playoffs. Obviously, the regular fancy season long gone now. But obviously, DraftKings over the course of the weekend, so keep your eyes peeled for that. And Tim and Adam will give you their best bets for the weekend. I know the boys did fairly well in terms of the wildcard weekend, so off to a good start in terms of any playoff bets that you've been having. Um, obviously, start off the new year with a few quid in your back pocket. It's always good to see. The College Football Championship game takes place next Monday, so look out for some extended coverage probably from the boys over in college as obviously the big showpiece event takes place next week, so that one will be one to look forward to. And as a bit of a Brucey bonus, you're obviously used to us doing the full 10 questions on our regular podcasts. That has finished for the season, obviously, and a big well done to Adam Foxcroft for winning season three. And we have agreed to do a big fat NFL quiz of the 2019 season when there will be three podcasts going head to head. So Tim and Forsaid Adam will be the quiz masters and we have representation from Kickers Matter with Jack Humphrey from Five Yard Rush with Adam Murphy. And for the full 10 yards, believe it or not, you and you are stuck with me as the full 10 yards representative. So pressure on to try and bring home the crown. That will be being recorded next week. So that will drop at some point for your listening pleasure as well. So plenty going on as always. Um, but you haven't been a pleasure tonight, mate. Look forward to the weekend. Hopefully for your sake, the Texans get a big win, but uh, certainly hope it's a good game, mate. So thanks for your company tonight, mate. Being a pleasure. No, thank you, and uh, it's good. Hopefully, I think definitely it's been a, a rise in the level of quality of play versus some of the stuff we've watched in the season. So, if it's anything like last weekend, it should be a good one. Yeah, bring it on indeed. So, if your team are involved, good luck, everybody. If you're just a neutral, enjoy the games. And until next week, in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye bye for now. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.